Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Beatles fans, and welcome to episode number 29 of I Saw the Beatles. This week, I have a really amazing guest who just corrected me um, just before, you know, when we were talking before we came on the air. Um, I was about to say he saw the Beatles four times, and he says, no, let's be correct. We, I saw the Beatles five times. His name is Richard Adler. He's from New York State. Hi, Richard. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Jen? Thank, thank you. I'm doing well, too. Um, so five times. Wow. Yeah. So so right. let, let's just dive right in. How old were you when you saw them the first time? Uh, let's see. Uh, I was 13 years old. 13. And yep. that, that would have been, what was it? Was it Carnegie Hall? Carnegie Hall, February 1964, yeah. Wow. And those shows, you know, I was looking that up, and those shows were rather late. I mean, one was at seven fifteen, and one was at eleven fifteen p.m. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a Wednesday exactly. in February. What what show did you see? The early or the late? The the early show, yeah. Uh, it yeah. Was, it was it was, a, it was a, a real fluke that I got to see the show. Oh really? Um, we actually we actually um, went to see uh, went to Penn Station to see the Beatles uh, arrive back from. Um, uh, Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. and um, I met a girl there from my uh, from my school, and she said that she had a ticket for Carnegie Hall, and her friend was sick and she couldn't go. Did I want to go? I said, oh, uh, wow. "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> so now, did, that's how I got to go. It was just by accident. Yeah. Did you Did you live in New York City at the time, or I mean, you're yeah, thirteen years old. Yeah, I lived old. in Forest Hills. Queens. And this yeah. was, yeah, this was okay with your parents. Yeah, I, you know, living in New York City by by the time I was twelve years old, I was going on the subways myself and going into the city. Uh, yeah, no problem at all. Oh wow, wow! So I mean, this was a it was school, a different this was time. A school night? Definitely a different time. Yeah. This was a school night yeah. too. Wow, wow! That times have changed, haven't they? Um, I so, think so, yeah. So am I correct in, I mean, you may not know too much about this, but am I correct in the fact that I don't, no rock bands had played Carnegie Hall prior to the Beatles, had they? No, was, no. In fact, you know, I, I, was, I was very good friends with Sid Bernstein. Sid and I worked together uh, a lot, and uh, Sid told me that um, – Carnegie Hall thought that the Beatles were a string quartet from uh, from England when they signed <laughs> the, uh, the contract, and they were really upset when they found out that who they really were. Oh wow! Um, now, yeah, if they, I remember, they never would have allowed it. If I also remember correctly, wasn't there kids on the stage behind the Beatles at Carnegie? Yeah, so that you know that was a really good point. When, since this was this was actually the first concert I ever went to, mm-hmm. and wow. I was I had decent seats. We were sitting in like center, maybe halfway back on the orchestra, 
And I was wondering, how, how do you get to sit up on the stage like that? And I figured every rock concert had to have seats on the stage. So I was going to figure out the next time I went to a rock concert, how I was going to get those seats. Little did I know <laughs> that that was the only concert that ever had seating on the stage like that. Yeah, apparently uh, John Lennon was not too too thrilled with that either. Not thrilled at all, no. <laughs> no, I, I was surprised they behaved themselves too. I guess you know. Uh, yeah, I think you know, I think they were. I think they were a, a lot of uh, um, dignitary uh, kids, of dignitaries, you know, and uh, famous people and. Uh, the Rockefellers, I don't know. Mhm. So this, so you were a Beatles fan before they came to America, right? I mean, you would. Well, you yeah. Uh, well, not you know. You got to remember this. This is a, a most incredible phenomenon ever, because mm-hmm. I heard "I Want to Hold Your Hand" on somewhere in late December, nineteen sixty-three. Mhm. Okay. And from late December to February, they just exploded. And you, you couldn't believe that in, what was it, six weeks, mm-hmm. that it would cause that much of a pandemonium and uh, have so many fans so quickly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just six weeks. So. so- yeah, so you're, you know, you're everybody's going crazy. You know, you you happen on this this ticket, your first concert ever, and what happens come August when they return? So, you, I lived in Forest Hills, so mm-hmm. it was uh, it was walking distance from my house, the uh, Forest Hills Tennis Stadium. So I was able to get tickets for the first night, and. Um, I got to tell you, the most incredible thing, you know, was to be a Beatles fan and be in Forest Hills Tennis Stadium and watch them come in by helicopter. And that's most probably unprecedented, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Having a band come into the stadium by helicopter. Yeah. Yeah. If that, if that, you know, who needs a warm up act when you're going to do that? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> so you actually saw both shows in Forest Hills. Well, he, that- yeah, so he, interesting. The second show I didn't have tickets for. Mm-hmm. And I but we all went we all went and hung out outside the uh stadium. And my friend says to me, "I know I know a guy who's working in there. He's a ticket taker. Give me a dollar." And he took a dollar from 10 of us. And he mm-hmm. rolled it up and he gave his friend $10 and we all went in. For, for, for a dollar a piece. <laughs> so I guess I guess night. you were you were in the standing room only section then. You didn't yeah, actually yeah. actually get the. So how did how did the stadium concert compare to you know the Carnegie concert? Was was it um, the biggest thrill? So the thing about the well, I think there were, there were a lot more people. Number one, mm-hmm. which meant a lot more screaming, which meant. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, you had to, I think you were happy if you were able to identify which song was playing mm-hmm. yeah. because you really couldn't hear all you heard mm-hmm. was screaming. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you were just trying to pick out what song they were playing. Right. 
Right. It, you know, it, it's, it's really incredible when you think back to technology back then. Technology was not, you know, really caught up to, to the Beatles. The Beatles were like um, playing and using small amps and using PA systems that were used to, you know, as a, a public address system for, you know, sporting events. It wasn't right. what we know of today is uh, sound systems. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you really couldn't hear them that great. Mm-hmm. The, those systems and those amps really uh, just didn't carry over the, over all the screening. Yeah, yeah, and if even if they did, it wouldn't have sounded that great, you know. But it would have, you know. Yeah. That, it makes you, it makes you wonder if you had heard them live and actually, you know, it was quiet and you heard it through the what, you know, the sound system at the time, you know, um, would it have been, you know, the thrill or or as exciting as, as, or as good as the records. I mean, would you have felt, or would you have been like, Ooh, that doesn't sound good. You know, um, I don't, I don't don't think it would because number one, they couldn't mix it, mix the sound properly, mm -hmm. you know? Um, And, and the microphones hardly ever worked. You know, (laughs) every time you, every time you try to like uh, see, um, uh, some uh, Beatle uh, video online of a live concert. It's always like one 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 of their mics was shut off. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was it was never mixed properly, and so the sound was was never going to be uh, uh, that great. Mhm. Mhm. Um, so you said there was ten of you. Uh, was it all all young men, or did you have some girls yeah, with you? Matter of fact, it was. See, that's interesting because, you know, you always hear about all the girls and all the screaming and then, you know, here's 10 guys, you know, 10, 10, you know, young teenage guys, you know, sneaking into the Beatles concert, you know. Um, Forest Hills uh, was a a hotbed of of music. mm -hmm. So uh, we, we all really loved music. We were becoming musicians at the time. Right. And that's what I wanted um, to ask you next, because... Yeah. 1960, 65 rolled around, and somewhere in this time, mm-hmm. you you joined a band or created a band. What was the name of the band? So I, well, it, 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 it was a. Um, it started off as the Tiger Five, uh-huh. and um, so the Tiger Five uh, morphed into in 1960s. Well, we started the Tiger Five in in late 1964. And it mm-hmm. kind of morphed into the Tangerine Puppets. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the tang- Tangerine Puppets had um, uh, Tommy and uh, Johnny Ramone. Tommy was my best friend growing up. Wow! And now Tommy was he in, was, was, was he with the was he with the uh, was he with that the ten guys that went to see the Beatles at Forest Hill? Oh, or? absolutely, absolutely. Oh, so yeah. so he was there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, boy. sure. Tom, oh, so yeah, Tommy and I had a lot had a lot of event, musical adventures. So um, I can imagine <laughs> that was one of them. Yeah, that was one of them. Yes. Uh, um. So so you know, nineteen nineteen six end of sixty four. You're you're starting this band, and and you have two of the future Ramones. Uh, it, one of the future Ramones. Okay. And, and not until nineteen sixty six did we pick up the second future Ramone. Ah, ah. So, um, nineteen sixty-five. You know, you 
you go to Shea to see the Beatles. I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so was Tommy at this one with you? Uh, Tommy was. Johnny wasn't, though, yeah. We hadn't yeah. met Johnny. Jo- Tommy and Johnny came to 66, but, yeah, 65 was just Tommy and I. Okay, now there's an incident that I, I, I read about Tommy at one of these shows. Nope. Sh- that was, I think it was referring to Johnny in 66. Oh, was it Johnny in 66? Okay, yeah. so so why don't you tell <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, I, I, let, tell, let me just preface this whole conversation. About... But yeah, huh? so Johnny, Johnny was a Rolling Stones fan. Oh, okay. And he hated the Beatles. And uh, we would have fights. Who is better, the Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Mm-hmm. And um, there would be there would be turf wars over this, you know. <laughs> and um, so when we decided to go see the Beatles, what my 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 first question to John was, why would you want to go hating the Beatles and loving the Rolling Stones so much? And he just says, I, I just want to go. I just want to go. I said, okay, come on. So we got our tickets and we went. And uh, John carried a uh, backpack with him to uh, Shea Stadium. Nobody thought anything of it. Mm-hmm. And we, we had really great seats, maybe five rows from the field, on third, on, right by third base. And the Beatles okay. were playing on second base. Okay. Yeah. And... And John was a, was a, had a great arm. He was a pitcher. And uh, when we used to play uh, stickball, and nobody could hit him, he had such a good arm. So when the Beatles finally came out, John opened his backpack, and it was filled with stones. <laughs> and he was there to throw stones at the Beatles. And all the entire time they were on the stage, he was throwing stones, and we saw them bouncing on the stage. And we all try to stop him, and you can't stop John once he starts. <laughs> so, and you know, people ask me, "Well, where was security?" I said, "Security was too busy with all the fainting girls to worry oh, yeah. about John throwing rocks." <laughs> <laughs> Never occurred to him to watch for for you know rocks flying. I actually oh talked God. to John Lennon about that um, oh. many years later, and uh, he said, we thought something was happening, but we weren't sure, because yeah, fortunately, nobody got hit, but they, they right. were bouncing off the stage. Oh, wow. Wow. So <laughs> so it was your entire time, you know, I hate to think that your entire time was spent trying to stop John you know Johnny Ramone from from you know. Decking well, fortunately, one of the he ran out of stones at some point. Okay. And, uh, we, yeah. How big were these stones? They're the size of golf balls. Oh, okay, okay. So he wasn't hurling big yep. meteor-sized rocks. No, no, but they, they would still done some damage if they hit somebody. Yeah, yeah, and if, boy, if those beetles thought that the. Uh, that those jelly babies and jelly beads hurt. Oh, Boy. yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to tell you the most ironic thing, okay? The uh-huh. most ironic thing is that the Ramones were named after Paul Ramone. Okay? Right. You know who Paul Ramone is, right? Right. That was, so Paul that Ramone was, uh... was, was Paul McCartney's 
uh, stage name or the name he used to check into hotels and uh, also used them on a couple of uh, records, like uh, with um, uh, Steve Miller Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. a pseudonym or whatever they call it. Uh, Right. So... um, so what happened was John became a Beatles fan after <laughs> after Shea Stadium. Or I should say, you know, once uh, uh, Sgt. Pepper came out, he was mm-hmm. he was a real big Beatles fan. They, yeah, I could, they kind of won I him could, over. Yeah, I could see where where suddenly you know where um, you know uh, Sgt. Pepper would would could draw in a different audience than their their early you know. Eboppy, yeah. lovey songs, you know, and stuff like that. Um, it was it was a little deeper. It was a little more uh, psychedelic, kind of, you know. When you think Ramones, you know, you think that. Yeah, I think. I think so, yeah, I think. I think uh, Re- uh, Revolver really started the uh, the changeover mm-hmm. that they um, started to get fans like Johnny. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I think of the five Sergeant shows, Pepper really, you know, solidified it. Yeah. So, of the five shows, Carnegie, two at Forest Hills, two Shea Stadium shows. Do you have Do you have a favorite, or is it all blurred together? Well, it has to be Car. It has to be Carnegie because being my first concert ever, and that, mm-hmm. and being that show. Um, yeah, it's, it's it definitely has to be Carnegie Hall. Mm-hmm. So, and so, you're able to hear them a lot better. So yeah, so you know, I, I there's this there's a gap in here now where you know, um, you know, you told me about you know you'd seen these shows and 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 the band, you know, uh, the Tiger mm-hmm. Five and Tangerine Puppets and playing with uh, Tommy and Johnny. So when did so when, but then I, I everything gets a little fuzzy and and what happened from there on. So when did this, when did your band break up and when did they become? I don't I don't well, we, I know some about yeah, the so Ramones. We, we, I don't we, know. Yeah, we we went uh, we we were on high school together and uh, at the end of '67, Johnny uh, graduated high school. I was still so mm-hmm. we kind of started drifting apart in in sixty uh, late '67. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I started playing with uh, Randy California and um, Walter Becker in a mm-hmm. band at mm-hmm. that time. And then they they were both in Forest Hills. Well, they they both lived in Forest Hills at the time. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And you know, Walter Becker is from Steely Dan, and Randy California okay. is from uh, Spirit. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And and so um, you know now now you're no longer playing with the Ramones. Now you told me you you worked for Nat Weiss and explain who Nat Weiss is yeah. for anybody who doesn't know. Yes, so Nat Weiss was uh, Brian Epstein, Brian Epstein's business partner, and he handled all the uh, business for the Beatles in uh, the United States. Mhm. And how did you end up with, uh, working with him? Uh, I met Paul and John just by accident, and um, I told them that I had a, a great idea for them uh, that was uh, a way of making money on Magical Mystery Tour. Mm-hmm. 
because mm-hmm. um, they really couldn't get it in the movie theaters too short, and uh, TV wasn't interested in it. They had already bombed in the, on the BBC, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought a college campus tour would, would be great for them. And I was telling them about uh, how student organizations uh, can get a facility for free if they're doing a fundraiser, and mm-hmm. um, you know we, we get a local radio, radio station involved to, to, to put their name on it, saying that they're promoting the show. They'll give us free advertising, and mm-hmm. all you have to pay, you know, is you just give a ten percent to the to the um, student organization, and the Beatles make the rest of the money. And they said, "When wow. can you start?" <laughs> so they gave me Nat Weiss's phone number, and uh, I called Nat, and he was waiting for my call, and he invited oh. me over his house for dinner. Wow! Uh, so wait, how, wait, how did you just happen to meet John and Paul? It was just happenstance, you know. I was just walking uh, in Central Park, and there they were. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. wow. It wow. Was, it, yeah, it, was, it was in 1968. Oh, wow. They were just they, hanging they were out? Actually staying at Matt, they were staying at Matt Weiss's house, uh, apartment in New York City. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. This is uh, uh, post-Epstein's... Uh, oh, sure, know. yeah. Passing and yeah. everything. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. This All is right. when they uh, were promoting Apple. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. So uh, you end up, you know, working with with uh, Nat Weiss. Uh, what did you go on to do with the rest of your life? I mean, you know, you, you had quite the <laughs> yeah, quite so the interesting. It's, yeah. So it's it's interesting. I. I did. I, I worked with Nat and some of the other bands, like the Mahavishnu Orchestra, at some point. Uh, James Taylor, and then uh, um, we. Um, I started going on the road with um, with a number of bands, like Fairport Convention and Buzzy Linhart, and um, I worked with the Beach Boys, and. Um, uh, I basically did that for a while, and then I opened up my, my own talent agency. Um, well, actually, actually, I went to work for a talent agency, and then after about a year, a year and a half, I opened my own talent agency and production company, and oh. we started putting on concerts, and we got involved with the rock and roll revival of the 70s. And okay. And I was, um, uh, I was uh, the, um, the agent for uh, Herman's Hermits, and, oh, nice. Um, a lot of a lot of the fifties um, uh, and sixties bands, uh, you know, that we put packaged them together with with a headliner Chuck Berry or uh, Jerry Lee Lewis or uh, Little Richard. And then we had you know had had like eight to ten different groups on the show, mm-hmm. and they all came mm-hmm. in but a uh, a couple of their hits. Wow. So did did your early did these early concerts with the Beatles, you know, inspire you to continue in the music industry? Well, uh, or do you was, think you would have ended really up there anyway? My, well, it was really my love of, of 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 music and my love of um uh being involved in in in, in the uh, uh the music business. 
mm-hmm. that uh, inspired me. Yeah. But I mean, everything, you know, everything is connected, right? Right. Um, so I started going to many, many uh, different concerts after that, of course. And um, I, I also was a photographer, and I used to uh, go every night to a different concert and photograph the concerts and sell my pictures to, like, uh, Rock Magazine and Crawdaddy Magazine and Circus Magazine. And um, so yeah, I'm putting I, together I, a book I, now of my of my photographs. You're putting together a book. You said? Yeah. Oh wow! Yes. Do you have a publisher? Are you? Yeah. Are... No, I'm not that far. I'm, I'm writing the book now. Okay. I don't have a publisher yet. And oh, okay. um, but I have so many stories of of um, uh, different musical events and and uh, people that I've worked with in the music business. Uh, uh, everybody, uh, you know, that, that knows me has been pushing me to write this book. And plus, I've got some great pictures. I mean, uh, I, I was with uh, John and Yoko at the um, uh, one-to-one concert, and I was in the pit photographing them. So I've got great pictures of John and Yoko that have never been seen ever. Oh, um, wow. Except for... I did. We, I did a uh, a spread for um, uh, Rock Magazine uh, mm-hmm. when the, when the concert happened, and uh, so a lot of my a number of my pictures were, were in Rock Magazine. But I had so many pictures that never saw the light of day that I'm going to put in the book. Wow, that's that's so exciting. I was also at the uh, concert for Bangladesh, and I photographed. Oh, nice. uh, Photograph that as well. Yeah, that was. But, I, uh, I know of a, another professional photographer. By the time I got, told... by the time I got to Wings Over America, I stopped taking pictures. I don't have any pictures of that concert. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, 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 was, I was told by another by another photographer that you can um, back then. You know, you could literally walk. You didn't have to have credentials. You could say, "I'm a photographer. Can I get in to a lot of concerts?" And that's how he started yeah. out. Yeah, was, you exactly. know, just all you had to do. Now you have to have credentials. You're not you're not getting anywhere near that pit without you know being yeah. somebody. Well, back then, you know, once once you you knew the uh, the people in Madison Square Garden, or you knew the people of the Academy of Music, or you know wherever uh, they they see you and they just wave you in because you know you're there every night. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, that yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. so you you photographed. John and Yoko, you photographed um, uh, George, George Harrison. Harrison yeah. Right. Did you get yeah. Ringo? No, I didn't. By the time I saw Ringo, he was also uh, past my photography days. So you never, so you never got the Ringo or Paul photographs. No, no. Oh, but you know, you still have time. That's true. You need, <laughs> you, you need to break out the brownie camera and uh, little co- instamatic. Yeah, yeah. You know, and get some pictures. Yeah. Anyway, you know something, Richard? It has been such a thrill to talk to you and to hear your stories. I, I absolutely love them. You've made by night, and hopefully you'll make a lot of people happy, you know, listening listening to this and your tale. And um, I really want to keep in touch with you because I really want to hear about this book when it comes out. And, uh, Definitely. And, uh, and uh, you must be your, – your grandchildren must think you're the, the greatest grandpa in the whole world. Well, 
<laughs> I think they do. Uh, we <laughs> have a great relationship. <laughs> do, do they do they ask for stories? Tell us another. Um, I'm really not old enough stories? yet. They're not old enough yet. Except my, my one grandchild is ten years old, but uh, yes. the other ones are too young. Yeah. Well, but, uh, you know something. They're gonna, I take they're them on gonna... a lot of great vacations, so they love it. Yeah, they're gonna get, they're gonna appreciate the book someday even more. Um, anyway, oh, yeah. thank you so much, Richard, for spending time with me and and telling me these 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 stories. It's it's just been fantastic talking to you, and uh, I hope to talk to you again soon. No, thank you. I hope to talk to you as well. Take care. Thank now. you, and thank you everybody Thanks. for Bye-bye. listening to another episode of I Saw the Beatles. Until next week, ciao.